to Sancho's Boys. This is your co-host, Tim Amatuli. And I'm Chris Cote. And today we're talking about yet another weird anomaly in Kurosawa's filmography, The Quiet Duel from 1948, which is not part of the Criterion channel and is like the only film before 1980 that he made that's not part of the channel, outside of Uma, which doesn't count, and Those Who Make Tomorrow, which doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie so weird that it's not even produced and with all the other films. We had to watch it on YouTube on a very not great rendering. And I don't know if we watched the same one, because I had this issue where all my subtitles were five seconds late. So every time someone would speak, there'd be no subtitle, and then it would show up afterward, and I had to, like, try really hard to figure out who was saying what. Oh, damn. I'm not a popper, so I have the DVD of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, <laughs> forgive me for not owning the most obscure. Was it like that the whole time? Because I, I checked certain parts of it, and it seemed to line up okay. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I was, like, thinking maybe I could reload it, but I just didn't do it. It, it was fine. I could, like, tell what was going on. So this film was made at Daie Studios instead of Toho, and this is following the third Toho dispute with all sorts of continued union issues and trouble with the higher-ups and all that, like crew and actors and everything. So it's a total mess over there, and finally Kurosawa had to leave and went over to Daie, which he had connections at due to being an assistant director. So for their first film together, they actually adapted The Quiet Duel from a contemporary play, and he did it specifically with Mifune in mind. I like that. It's once again, Mifune and uh, Takashi Mora just hanging out, being father and son. Like. Literally reversing his role from the last film. Yeah. He specifically wanted to break Mifune's typecasting because he was being typecast as a gangster since he was, like, revealed to the public. And he said there's no greater disservice to an actor than typecasting them because they're not constantly, you know, developing and trying new things. It's akin to, like, planting a tree and then never watering it to just have them do the same thing out of convenience. That's fair. That's very sweet of him to, like, go to this effort to help Mifune. And Mifune does a great job. When we say that Kurosawa loves Mifune, he really, really loves him. And, I mean, they both owe each other their careers, truthfully. Both of them elevate each other's work so much. Yeah, this is a great film for Mifune. He does, like, a wonderful job. He's the lead. He's basically everywhere in every scene all the time. It is a nonstop feast for the eyes. Takashi Shimura is just kind of hanging out there like, How you doing, uh, son? Are you winning, son? Me injecting myself with syphilis medication. <laughs> Are you winning, son? You got syphilis, son? Yeah, that was the film. But uh, I guess now we should get into a plot summary of the film. Dr. Kyoji Fujisaka contracts syphilis after cutting his finger while operating on Japanese soldier Nakata. Returning home to the stigma the disease causes, he chooses to break off his engagement to Misao in order to save her from wasting her life on him. Years later, Fujisaka finds Nakata and discovers that he has impregnated his wife Akiko and infected her and his unborn child. The soldier cannot accept the reality of his situation, and their baby is stillborn. Akiko recovers in the hospital while Fujisaka continues to devote his life to helping patients. But uh, yeah, this was a interesting film. It was like very subdued until the end, almost... Tarantino-esque in that, like, it's very calm until, like, a lot of shit happens at the end. Yeah, and it's cool because that's, like, kind of a break from a lot of methodology in Eastern cinema, where, like, it usually boils, but doesn't boil over. Things are constantly simmering, but never exploding. Exploding is more of, like, a Western thing that happens in a climax, so it's interesting to have him have this break at the end. Yeah. This film is a lot more like contained and everything it's like a much more of a smaller scale production which is kind of attributed to it being the first one at Daie rather than Toho where he's had the ability to have more resources to himself this time he kind of has to make do with less and like luckily the hospital is like a big set but it isn't anything super crazy 
every scene pretty much is taking place in a different hallway or office. Yeah, I was going to say, outside of, like, the opening, they, like, never leave the hospital, right? Yeah, they go to, like, the police station once, and then there's, like, there's, like, they're, like, walking outside, but I don't think they ever go to, like, a house or anything. Oh, and they go to that restaurant, the bar. I think they go to, like, two bars. But, like, those are really quick scenes. Like, it's almost entirely in the hospital. Yeah, which is it's cool. It's cool to see, like, a very, you know, we, uh, we call it now a, like, pared-down character drama <laughs> in limited locations. And I gotta say, this one is really my speed. It's the kind of films that I like. It is mostly about one place, the things going in and out of it. I really just dig the premise of it so much. This guy who gets this disease, how it affects his life, and that he's such, like, a good person to have, like, such tragedy befall him for being virtuous. I think it's really sad. I'm of two extreme minds about the premise of the film. One hand, I love... I mean, I would love that he gets syphilis, but I love the the premise of, through no fault of his own, he gets this, like, sexual disease, and it, like, totally ruins his life. I also, though, hate movies that are premised on a character not telling another character a basic piece of information, and a lot of drama coming out of that, that, like, always really bothers me, but this was probably the best I've ever seen it done, even though it still bothered me. It was, like, probably one of the best justifications for it I've ever seen, even though I still think it kind of fails. It's definitely an issue. Yeah. When it comes to him getting the syphilis, though, I think the opening of this film is amazing. This torrential downpour, all the stuff going on in this tropical setting and everything. Him doing the surgery, it's so hot, he's being wiped down. They got that little leak in the roof, and just like they did in One Wonderful Sunday, you know, they bring out that little dish pan to catch the water, and so it's creating, like, this rhythmic dripping that's, like, causing him more stress and all that. Just, like, when you see him put that knife down the wrong way and he gets those gloves taken off, you just know immediately, like, oh, no, 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 like, because... That's just like a squeamish thing, and you just know that that can't be good. Yeah, even when he takes his gloves off, you're like, oh, he's like, <laughs> I thought of myself uh, dumbly, the gloves are off now, <laughs> and they really are, because <laughs> he gets whole ass syphilis from this idiot <laughs> that he's trying his best to heal in this, like, military hospital. Yeah, and then just like, when he, like, when he cuts it, and he's like, holy crap, I gotta keep doing this. That's what I think tells us a lot about his character, though, is how much time would it have really taken for him to just, you know, bandage it up and, like, put gloves on? He's so committed that he just goes right back into this guy because he's got, like, he's dying at that moment and he just doesn't have that time. Like, it really showed to me immediately that Kyoji, like, puts other people before him and, like, he's going to suffer for that and I think that's horribly tragic and you just know, like, he gets that test results back and everything and the guy can't even bear to tell him. I know. Yeah, that was, that was brutal. Because, like, how do you break it to the guy? He didn't even get to have fun getting an STD. Oh, that's what I... At the beginning, I was like, my Letterboxd review is just going to be the biggest tragedy of all time. Men get syphilis without getting laid. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sad. Yeah, like, it it really is a blue ball movie. Like, it's just him being blue balled by a disease. Like, not even by himself. He's being blue balled by his morals. I know. (laughs) Of, like, not wanting to kill the love of his life. It's It's really a coronavirus movie. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm sure this uh, story resonates extra hard now in quarantine. I tell you, it is both tragic and kind of funny when the big emotional climax of the film is him being like, man, I want to fuck so bad, but I can't. <laughs> like, that is the, <laughs> the breakdown, is I want so badly to have sex with my wife, but I can't, and now I never will. <laughs> and then, okay, I'm not going to lie, I thought, and I think this basically every time I watch an old movie, why can't he and uh, Minaguchi just have sex? And then never in a million years did I think she would say, well, why don't we just have sex? <laughs> I was like screaming. I was like, Stavi solves your problem going like, yeah, yes. <laughs> like, like losing my mind because I was like. <laughs> yeah, play a jazz riff. 
Never thought that would happen. Uh, did you not hear me just talk about how I have syphilis? Yeah, she, well, like, she was like, what if theoretically there was a woman who didn't care that you had syphilis and wanted to bone? And he was like, what are you talking about? She's like, uh, me. <laughs> it was it was amazing. Yeah, and he's like, mm, I gotta get back to work. And then they ignore it, it doesn't happen. Of course, it doesn't. if it actually happened, I would have given this movie a five. But no, it doesn't happen. It makes sense it doesn't happen. It would be out of character. But I was like, oh my god, they actually did it. <laughs> they actually did the thing that makes the most sense for these characters. I actually found her character to be pretty interesting. I liked her a lot. I like that they use her as kind of like a way of telling time. Her life is actually changing while everyone else's isn't. Yeah, and I like that there's like this duality between them because they both have this thing like metastasizing inside them. When syphilis wants a baby, it's kind of a tough comparison. <laughs> Kyoji's got this disease that he like probably can't cure and is totally ruining his life. And Minagishi is having this baby grow inside her that she doesn't want. She was suicidal, wanted to kill herself. She's got, like, a real tragic backstory that they kind of, like, allude to without getting too specific. I mean, like, they get into, like, abortion talk and everything. Like, it's like, whoa, this is, like, late 40s and we're talking about hot button stuff like this. Yeah, not only saying she'd have an abortion, saying, guys, I'm so pissed you didn't let me get an abortion. Come on. <laughs> like, like wanting one proudly without apology, not feeling bad about it. That was, that was cool. She's a cool character. And then... You know, like, there's two major time jumps in this movie, and I really like that they use her having the baby as a time jump. It, it doesn't explicitly give any title card beyond the first one, which says that the movie starts in 1944. There's, like, season changes. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's the seasonal changes as well, which are happening, like, when we're seeing, you know, mostly, like, that one wall. Yeah, it's like a fence. Oh, it's like, now it's got rain, now it's got snow, now it's got sunshine, all that. Yeah, which is pretty. I really like movies that take place all at, like, one time. That's just how I prefer them. I also like that, too. Yeah. So, and I really, really hate, you know, screenwriting coincidences and everything. I really like that they didn't contrive a reason for Nakata to suddenly show up at the hospital, like, right after, you know, Kyoji got back from the war and everything. Yeah, it feels very natural. There was so much time, and, like, the baby isn't even, like, a, you know, fresh newborn, like, months and months have passed and it's like we're picking up here because this is where that story thread continues it wasn't forced it was like oh this is just like real life probably like eight months have gone by since like the middle of the movie i i, re I really like that and i really like the way that they use her in that way and how she has this change of heart watching this good man deal with these things and realizing like i don't know if her arc is that she realizes that other people have it worse than her and that's why she decides to remain pregnant because I don't think that's great, but I, 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 I don't think it's exactly that. I don't know. I think it's like, some people are moral. I could also be moral like this brilliant man. But I do think that the first time jump from the war to him being back at the hospital is pretty clunky. I think that's where, like, one of the main problems of the movie happens. Yeah, right off, I was like, oh my god, just tell your wife you have syphilis. You're causing her so much pain. And then the nurse learns that he has syphilis and gets really mad at him because she's like, how dare you attack me? Then you learn at night that, like, he got it through no fault of his own, and he's actually the most moral man in the world. Shocker, Toshiro Mifune's perfect. Yeah, they call him a saint, and then his dad's like, ah, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, tone funny. it down. Takashi Jamora's like, I still hate this guy from the last movie. You can't, uh, <laughs> you can't do this to me. <laughs> yeah, he's now playing a good doctor instead of a drunk asshole. <laughs> yeah, drunken angel. <laughs> the reason it's different why Dr. Kyoji won't just tell his wife that he has syphilis is because... He knows that his wife is, like, so virtuous that she will just wait for him to get better from the disease. And he's like, I can't do that to her. She's, like, this, like, wonderful person, and she has a lot left to live. I don't want her to wait, like, five years just waiting for me to get better. Yeah, I think that's so sad. <laughs> like, I actually really, really like that conflict a lot. And, like, I wish it could be... The thing is, I wish that 
we were picking up post-war earlier on because it's implied that he's like been home for a while and just keeps blowing her off yeah which is so weird i think it really should have been like we see him get home from the war and start blowing his wife off because he just is having this conflict of like i don't know how to tell her yeah that definitely would have been better it's weird how long it goes yeah it seems like something that would have been resolved a lot earlier and i think that the reason that it doesn't is because it gets intertwined with nakata's story with him and akiko's wife yeah, which, like, works. It gets into trying to quite end Minigushi with, like, her being mad at him and stuff. Like, that all has to happen. That needs, like, time. Yeah, I, th- I think it works, but I-, I do think that the film becomes kind of unfocused as a screenplay. Also, this movie was, like, put through, like, American censors and everything, which changed certain things. Oh. Changed the ending because they were originally going to have Kyoji go crazy from syphilis, which they were like, that's probably oh. not good. And I totally agree. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it would kind of cool, but... Yeah, well, listen, yeah. there'll be plenty of times for us to watch Toshiro Mifune freak out later on in Kurosawa's filmography. Like, this wasn't really the one to watch a man go crazy with syphilis. That's not, like, the kind of ending I'm looking for. Yeah. Do they explain, like, why? It's just because he, he was at war too long and he couldn't heal it. Whereas, like, everyone else is like, oh, it's totally manageable. Just, you know, take the medicine and you'll get better in a few years. But he was just like, oh, I, I can't. Yeah, he he was just saying, like, yeah, he was going place to place and never really had the proper, like, resources to manage it, but he couldn't, like, pull himself out of the war because he got sick. Especially with syphilis, which, like, everyone's just gonna assume he's, like, having sex with prostitutes or something. Like, yeah. it's like it's the, the moral and social shame of this disease specifically. Yeah, that all makes sense, yeah. This same movie wouldn't have worked without it being an STD. No, oh, yeah, that was very key to the movie which is like makes sense why he doesn't tell his wife at first but the fact that he can explain it and he does to his dad his dad's like i can't believe you're a fucking whore my son he's like wait i got it from a patient and he's like oh my god i'm so sorry and i was yeah. like why can't you just do that with your wife like <laughs> i do get why he's like i don't want this woman to waste her life for me and you know like as a doctor he's just making sacrifice after sacrifice and working so hard to save people he's another mr too damn honorable we see him saving that little kid who like finally farts and then the entire hospital erupts into applause which is an insane moment (laughs) yeah i I couldn't handle it i was like i'm turning my brain off until this is over (laughs) i think i had a harmonica it was cute i did love that scene with kyoji and his dad where they both kind of sit together and you kind of see like father and son doctors and they both try to light each other's cigarette oh yeah that was very sweet they're just so like on the same wavelength which i love because like last time watching drunken angel they're so opposite (laughs) yeah they're at odds you're just begging them to get along and it's nice to see them just be friends for once but yeah Poor Misao. Just feel terrible for her. Yeah, well, that was the thing. I was like, oh, that's a good reason. I guess you won't tell her. And then he's like, I just can't do this. And she's like, I'm going to wait for you anyway. And I'm like, okay, now you got to tell her because your plan isn't even working. She's trying to wait for you anyway. And then finally, she like finds someone else and is miserable and wants him back really bad and wants to make dinner for him. It's like the saddest thing you've ever seen. He like grabs her face and he's like half an inch from her lips and then just pulls himself away, like shows all this restraint. Yeah, and then it snows for five seconds and it goes back to the same scene, which was incredibly odd <laughs> yeah i know that that is a really weird editing choice but I, what i what i was yeah. reading in the in the donald ritchie book of saints it's a cold separation i'm like yeah but it's just also weird <laughs> yeah but you you've used this gate to show time passing so many times in this movie and then suddenly no time passes at all <laughs> like <laughs> right when you cut it literally zero seconds pass and i'm like <laughs> like okay but whatever that was extremely sad. It reminded me of some people I knew, and it made me very sad. You know, it, it winds up being a mixed bag in this movie, but, like, I think individual moments in this film really work well. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, good scenes, but then it doesn't always come together. 
the scene with Dr. Kyoji and his wife. Uh, at that point, I was like, wow, this movie feels like much more like an Ozu film. It's been very pared down, just like character driven, whatever. And I was getting that feeling for the entire film up until the end. And I was like, oh, it's a Kurosawa. And you know what? That's honestly, the whole film kind of has that feel to it where like the cinematography is much more toned down than mm -hmm. it's been in very the past, so. especially when compared to Drunken Angel right before this. Drunken Angel had huge sweeping shots over that pond and everything. Yeah, this dancing. time it's like almost <laughs> entirely in hallways and like the composition is great. It's all, you know, very like balanced and it all looks really good, but it's not really special shots happening in this one. He's a little bit more on autopilot with it. Yeah, one of the things I noticed was like the scene where they're moving the they're moving the girl around and the camera's actually following. It's actually almost subtle because like the cameras move so little this film that I was like, wait a minute, the camera's actually moving like backwards as they walk through the hallway. That's like a very almost like modern uh, shot. And it stood out because the camera has always been so passive. The camera is locked down on tripod for a lot of the film, which is not a bad way to do it. It's just compared to Kurosawa's other things, the cinematography in this one is is much more toned down. And I mean, honestly, so is like the subtext the of film, it. Yeah. Like the whole film is kind of like that. Like it's the plot is like pretty surface level. I think the plot is good. Yeah, it's not grand or sweeping. It's not like Drunken Angel where it's got like all this subtext to it or like extreme symbolism there is symbolism but not to the same extent yeah, yeah. drunken angel is very symbolic definitely the only other real like kurosawa technique that i noticed was when the crowd of patients arrived in that hallway near the end to see how nakata reacted to seeing his dead baby the way that like there's like this whole movement of people and everything like the emotion is really big yeah, for like the first time in the film. We're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff. We already have. It reminded me a lot of some of the scenes in The Most Beautiful and mm -hmm. other crowd shots that we've had in in the past. Yeah, even like the men who turn the tiger's tail. Yeah, <laughs> everyone in the same frame the whole yeah. time. <laughs> there's sudden crowd work at the end after it was just been like two characters in a room the entire movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, there's people in this hospital. These characters don't exist in isolation. You kind of forget that they're patients. It's just like a house drama that happens to be in a hospital. Another thing that shows that Kyoji's a really good dude is, like, the dad of the kid with appendicitis is worried that he's not going to be able to afford to keep the kid here. He's like, dude, don't worry about it. Like, I'll keep him here. I'm not going to kick this poor kid out with appendicitis. It's like, well, that's nice. I wish other doctors thought like that. Yeah, one of the other guys even comes in there. He's like, damn, your son really just is doing the most, huh? I think it's, like, revealed several times throughout the film that he, like, goes out of his way to help, like, the most misfortunate people in the region and really is this, like, very saintly figure. Which, again, I think really alludes to Redbeard. Redbeard is all about that kind of thing. Cool. He, you know, sees a lot of them in him. Like, he's been secretly injecting the medicine for syphilis for a long time. And Minagishi is, like, noticed that the medicine is always missing and just assumes, like, one of the patients is stealing it or something. And then finds out, like, it's the good doctor doing it. Oh, no. This doctor, who's been on my ass for wanting an abortion, is a slut. And then he learns that he's actually the most honorable man in the world. I like the one point at which uh, his dad even says, you know, if he hadn't had such a troubled life, he probably would have been an asshole. He would have been a snob. <laughs> his suffering made him more noble and a better guy. Yeah, that felt like a very dad thing to say. But we learned he's not entirely uh, Mary Sue, because he has not a flaw, but he does have an internal character struggle, which is he waited six years to have sex with his beautiful wife, and then he can't, and he's pretty upset about it. Yeah, w wouldn't you be? like? <laughs> well, I would be too, but I did not expect him to say it. <laughs> that was totally shocking to me. I love his monologue. He is going so good, and I love that it's all like this really long shot, like just following him around. We're really trapped with him in the moment and everything in this room. Kurosawa says that that was the single most tense he's ever been filming any shot in his entire career. He said that everyone was so nervous for it because it was such an emotional scene. Uh -huh. He was crying 
the cameraman was constantly wiping tears from his eyes so he could see oh, through the God. viewfinder because he was crying. Mafune's crying. Minagishi's crying. They finished it up and he like just didn't call cut because he was so like mesmerized by it. And then he was like, oh, wait, I got to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, my, it's my job to call cut. Wait, like, I'm directing a film. I'm not watching an actual event happen in real life. <laughs> yeah, I'm not watching a man actually have syphilis unless... Yeah, that's a beautiful scene in shot. The one thing I did think, I was like, up until that point, Mufune's performance is, like, pretty subdued. I was like, where's where's the acting? He just says he hasn't had to do anything besides, like, be stoic to his wife. And then all of a sudden, it all comes out in this, like, hugely emotional scene. Yeah, he spent the whole time being super restrained. The whole thing's a rubber band. Full performance is just getting more and more wound up, and then suddenly he pops. Like a rubber band, he snaps. That scene was already wild from the very beginning when she goes, Well, Doctor, don't you have human desires? He was like, no, it's fine. Actually, I do have human desires, and it's been killing me for years. I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. Funny you mentioned that. I'm secretly miserable. You mentioned I want to fuck so bad. (laughs) Is this the horniest Kurosawa movie? Most of his films are extremely not horny, and then for all that happened was shocking to me. Oh, uh, another thing, my other review was going to be Toshiro Mufune is acting uh, the ultimate struggle of being a hot valsel, a hot voluntarily celibate man who's extremely attractive but can never do it. Yeah, he's almost an incel. (laughs) You know, he is voluntarily, due to his own fault, like voluntarily and voluntarily celibate, and he's just so hot, so horned up. (laughs) It's insane. The struggles this man had to go through. (laughs) He shouldn't be able to have sex, but Nakata did and knocked up his wife. I do really like the other story that's going alongside it with Kyoji, Nakata, and Akiko. When he finally finds the guy again and talks to him and just realizes that he's been totally irresponsible with his illness. Yeah, that guy's just a total piece of shit. Just, like, has the same exact issue as Kyoji, but just isn't taking it seriously. It's kind of like, you know, someone who's been social distancing very aggressively for three months, and then you find your friend who's just been, like, going to parties and doing whatever and endangering tons of people they had COVID. No, morally, it's, like, almost the same. I was like, this movie is ringing more true than I expected for for that exact reason. Like, we've been doing disease movies back to back, but, like... Yeah, this one really hits home. I relate to syphilis more than tuberculosis, but not in that way. Yeah. More in the public shame, you can do something about it. <laughs> like, tuberculosis, you're just kind of beat. Actually, you know what? We could remake this movie right now with coronavirus. It would be the same thing. We be like, I can't see my girlfriend because I've got a social distance. Relatable. Yeah. And I... <laughs> when there's this other guy that's going around giving everyone COVID. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that would work. This whole syphilis thing isn't fake news. You've now given your wife syphilis... And your baby, too, and, like, it's probably not going to live. And and I'm glad that they don't show that baby. I thought, I was like, that must be, like, the Eraserhead baby in there. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I yeah. imagined, too. It must look like the Eraserhead baby. I'm glad that Kurosawa leaves that to the imagination. Has that nice long shot of the empty hallway as they run in, and then you hear him scream, and then he gets dragged out. Yeah, done very well. Yeah, no, that whole scene was well-performed. He just collapses. <laughs> You know, he's initially, like, meeting up with Nakata at these bars and everything, and they're getting... You know, it honestly does feel like Drunken Angel, but a reversal now where Mafune is the responsible doctor trying to tell the guy, Hey, dude, please take care of yourself. I'm begging you. And he's like, no, I won't. He's clearly, like, I can't imagine him being a great husband. The whole reason that he got found at all was because he, like, beat a police officer over the head during, like, a traffic stop. Oh, I, I missed that. Yeah, that, oh. that, that's what caused Toshiro Mufune to go to the police station, because they were like, hey, one of our guys was injured. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm like, why did he do that? Like, <laughs> like I'm like, I, I, I'm glad we have a, re- a plot reason to have him show up. 
he's free to go, which is interesting. I wouldn't expect that. But whatever the case, I'm glad something happened to get them together. And then when Akiko, like, comes on her own to be like, I gotta get rid of this baby. Like, I'm I, yeah. I'm, I'm literally dying of syphilis. I need to divorce my husband and get away. And he shows up and starts, like, a fight, pretty much. Yep, starts yelling. I was really hoping to share him if I would just beat his ass. But yeah. Did, actually, but... Minigushi hits him first. She takes him to church, breaks that window, have that cool shattered glass shot with Takashi Shimura walking behind it. That's, like, a, just another sad storyline. Intertwines not always super cleanly with his forbidden love storyline, but I really like them both in isolation, even if they don't always mesh well. He, well, Nakata's like a foil to this guy. He's just even more exaggerated because he's like, oh, doctor, you don't know how hard it is to have syphilis. Yeah, and I, to... Love I love how much restraint Kyoji's showing during that. You can, yeah, just see his like throb, like just <laughs> losing his mind about to like explode. Yeah, you see, you see him mentally just tearing this man limb from limb, <laughs> taking all his blood. Yeah. Oof. Literally just to his face. You don't know what it's like to have syphilis. And that's when Minigushi's like, wait, you're the one who did it. <laughs> and she, in a moment of actual compassion, cares about him, which is why I think they should. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure they might have gotten together in some way later on. I was a little mad it was left unclear by the film. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mind that. This this film doesn't deal with ambiguity too much, so I'd rather them not have them hook up when he's a heartbroken man who's lost the love of his life. Well, I, I yeah, I actually do it, but like, um, to say it, because she was like, Princess Love out there, like, I think I love you, and he's like, yeah, okay, well, bye. Oh, yeah, I think what he does is like, he's like, let's go help a patient. Yeah, to be fair, M M Mufune is used to that. Yeah, like a hot Velso, of course. <laughs> Yeah, that covers the whole film, plot point by plot point. So my favorite frame from The Quiet Duel was when Kyoji and Nakata are in one of the bars, mm -hmm. and it's Kyoji against the wall, and it's a two-shot, you know, like half and half, but the second half with Nakata in it isn't Nakata sitting next to him, it's actually Nakata's feet against the wall sitting next to him. His really nice leather shoes. I will admit, that was mostly what I thought about during the scene. Yeah, they are nice shoes. I loved how that shows how cavalier and carefree he is. He's in public at a bar, just feet up on the bench. Kyoji is just brooding, sitting in all black and everything. And then when he makes a revelation to Nakata, like you see his shoes stop moving. I thought that was a really nice, subtle way of showing an important character beat. Because like it's cutting in between that and another shot of Nakata every once in a while. But that's a real standout for me because I felt like it was just kind of a little weird, but in a good way. Yeah, I, I thought that was very nice to done. I was mostly thinking, like, these are really nice leather shoes. What are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I also noticed the feet stopping and, like, they're just moving around the whole time. This is a scene uh, Toshiro Mifune looked best in. I thought he did not look great in all this movie just because the doctor look doesn't look good on him. Strangely, because it looks good on most people. But he looked really good in this outside outfit. My favorite shot is one that we talked about. And it's, like, one of the most obviously, like, expressionistic, filmy shots is uh, after Nakata is, like, having a public freak out in the hospital and, like, it's knocked into, like, the surgery room or whatever. And he shatters this glass. A minute later, he runs down the hallway, Takashi Shimura walks into the room, and the glass, like, you see a piece fall, and you think, like, it's gonna focus into the room, but instead it just stays focused on the plane of view that's the glass, and you see Takashi do stuff behind it, and it, you know, perfectly captures the emotions of the scene, where Nakata, like, just had his, like, whole life shattered, as he's a stillborn baby, and, you know, the glass is, like, a perfect visual way to express what's going on in the moment, uh, with, like, this emotional climax of the film. Consider his career ended. But I'll tell you whose career is starting to really skyrocket at this point, and that is Toshiro Mifune looking hot as ever. Hell yeah. Does that mean it's time for the Toshiro Mifune hot nail scale? Hell yeah. He looks so much better in this compared to Drunken Angel. I know. I know he does. Nice and clean cut. Again, I, I prefer him with a little more stubble or everything, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I like that he's got the nice clean look. He's dressed 
real good the whole time. He's standing tall. He's, you know, he's a he's a real gentleman in this film. So that's a, that's got to be a nine point five for me. All right, man. I respect your opinion. I respect your right to say it. Eight. <laughs> I I did not oh, okay, like bye. the way he looked in this film. <laughs> We're shutting this down. We can't do this. I for whatever reason. I just really don't like the way he looks in Scrubs. It just doesn't look good on him. I think he's better as like a roguish type. And even though he does a great job in this world, I truly do mean that. It just, it is weird for him to not be this kind of roguish, like, role breaker. And he just, I didn't think he looked very good. I thought the best he looked was when he was in his, like, winter coat. Because <laughs> not <laughs> I was a like, lot of guys fine. pull that look off either. Yeah. So I hate to say it. I'm going to give him an eight, but I, I expect good things soon. Watch this space. <laughs> So let's get on to our final thoughts about The Quiet Duel. For me, I'm in the weird position where, like, I like the movie more than it is good. Like, I'm not liking it for, like, an objective reason. I'm liking it for a more subjective reason. Yeah, I mean, it's a good film, but it's not, like, an amazing movie. And it's just, like, it's just, it's very small. It's a limited-in-scope film. It takes place in basically one location about this one character going through a personal struggle, but it's not, like, extremely elevated. It's just, like, a good, solid job all around. That tickles my personal sweet spot a bit. Like, I really like that kind of plot. I really love, like, the idea of this movie. I think the performances are great. I like a lot of the shots, even if, like, the plot and cinematography are, you know, more pared down than we're used to seeing for Kurosawa. Ultimately, I do think this is a good movie, and I wish that it had a proper release like all of his other films, because it's really weird to have this one excluded from the channel. Yeah, this is a shame. It's definitely up there with his, like, it's on par. It is weird to have it missing. It's better than other ones that we've watched. Yeah, for sure. I'd give it just around a 7.5, you know, right in the middle of a 7 and 8. I think it's good. I think it's up there with the ones we've watched, but a little bit of a step down. Yeah, I do my ratings out of 5 like a normal person, so I, I give mine a 3.5 out of 5, which is like a 7 out of 10, which is, you know, a, a good movie. Didn't blow me away, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> That's more than most of us can say that we've ever done. Yeah, I've never made a good movie. I've never made shit. <laughs> Well, get ready to see Toshiro Mifune really, really sweaty next week. That's all I can tell you about our next film, Stray Dog. That's where my tent's coming. <laughs> That's what I've been saving for. Hell yeah, Stray Dog. I don't know anything about this movie. I assume uh, Toshiro Mifune is the dog. It's because I'm smart like that. Yeah, Toshiro Mifune plays the dog. Yeah. I won't spoil anything about it, but it's another really influential film in a kind of unexpected way. Very cool. I'm excited to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in a couple months. But saying I haven't seen it in a couple months is not actually that long because you usually go like yeah, 10 years without watching a movie. But a like, movie. Yeah, but I watch Kurosawa all the time because I'm in love with him and Toshiro Mifune. Of course. And you, the listener, the single listener listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, Harrison Gale. Anyhow, so check in next week for our review of Stray Dog. See you then.